0: So we had a family barbecue yesterday, uh-huh, and a new dynamic has been introduced oh. in the group. Okay. And that is that all the younger siblings in the family, uh-huh. which includes me, includes Keontae, uh-huh, and includes Nathan. Okay. Revolt. We're no longer <laughs> taking shit from the older <laughs> people. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so yesterday, like, any time somebody started picking on one of the younger kids, uh-huh, I'd be like, hey! You get away from them. This is solidarity. (laughs) We're not letting this happen anymore. (laughs) That's amazing. Keontae had like a cut on his knee. Uh Not a cut. It was a um, football. A football injury. Grass burn. Mm -hmm. One of those. Yeah. And it's still fresh. And Uh so he was pulling his bandaid off, but he was being baby about it Uh because he's a baby. (laughs) And Kyla kept trying to rip it off of him. Uh And I was like, Kyla... If you continue to do this, there will be consequences. <laughs> you leave that little boy alone. <laughs> and we were in the grass. She was sitting on a blanket across from me, and I was sitting on a blanket. Uh-huh. And then she just wouldn't stop. So I got in a squatting position. And okay. I was, like, looking at her, and I was like, Kyla, this is your last warning. You cannot say I didn't tell you. And she did it. She did it one more time. huh. And I fucking tackled her. <laughs> just from the squat position, dove, <laughs> took her ass out, and then I continued to do it throughout the day. Good. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would, I, I might have paid money to watch this happen just from afar. Be like, no, no, watch. Watch. Oh. <laughs> oh. I kind of imagine it was like you know those old like McDonald's toys that would do the little jumps? Yes. <laughs> so you just kind of push it down and you slowly see yep. the yep. coiling yep. and then attack, attack. <laughs> and after I did it, I'd go <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh How old is Keontae? I think it's hilarious that you call him. You Leave That Little Boy alone. <laughs> Isn't he? <laughs> 18? 17? No, that's Kimetrius. okay. Keontae is a baby. He is 16. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Actually, I think he's sixteen. Gotcha. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? We got to defend him. Mm-hmm. So good for you. Thank you. It's just for anybody else out there, we don't take nobody's shit. Mm-hmm. That broad's got moxie. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are also a younger sibling and need help give me a call or email me at that broads got at gmail.com that's right one or both of us will come and tackle your older sibling yes <laughs> they won't see it coming <laughs> no it'll be a sneak attack uh speaking of that broads got moxie here we are hey this is that podcast that broads got moxie i'm kiana that i'm cassie danny's here she's looking at us like what the fuck she like, is wrong with you two this morning train wreck mm-hmm. but it's not a train wreck back on course here we are today here we are we have some great tales for you to tell today mm-hmm. to tell to you today mm-hmm. oofda, <laughs> oofty goofty <laughs> oofty goofty the <laughs> bertha <laughs> okay so who's going first me i believe it's you okay this is our last episode before the Halloween Look, festivities begin. I want to be perfectly clear. It's spooky season in my heart and in my soul. So I was like, nah, nah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna jump right in. Well, mine not Halloween. Mine's not, mine's, mine's not Halloween-y, but it, you will get, okay. We're talking about Lizzie Borden. Oh, oh, that axe murder? Oh, that axe murder. <laughs> Very yes. excited. Yes. Okay. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 whacks. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. (laughs) Neither of those numbers are particularly accurate, and I'm going to get there Mm -hmm. in just a second. Yeah. Okay. So Lizzie Andrew Borden was born in Fall River, Massachusetts. Can I? What? You say her middle name is Andrew? Yeah. She's her middle name is her dad's name. Oh, I know. Interesting. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know what's funny? This person and then another person, the one that I didn't do today, mm-hmm. also has a very interesting name. Okay. Yeah. So Lizzie Andrew Borden, you heard that right, was born in Fall River, Massachusetts on July nineteenth, 1860, which makes her cancer. Mm. Her mother, Sarah, died when Lizzie was only three years old. Her father, Andrew, was a successful businessman who manufactured and sold furniture and caskets? <laughs> <laughs> and what's hilarious is when we were at the coast the other day, mm-hmm. we saw a sign that said something like furniture and undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, huh? <laughs> I guess. I guess you it both have big trucks, and it is building. Like yeah. you need to build a sturdy thing. It, yeah, I mean, it was surprising though. Furniture for the dead. Furniture for the dead. I <laughs> like it. I like it. He also sold textiles and eventually became a bank president because he's fucking loaded. Mm. But despite living in an affluent area in a humongous house, Andrew was too cheap to install indoor plumbing. Fun fact. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big yuck. If you got the option, take it. Just just put that flushing toilet in. Mm-hmm. For the love of Pete. Mm-hmm. However, at his death, his estate was valued at $300,000, which in today money is $9 million. Just a little bit. Just, just a little, little bit of money. Just a little. Just a little $9 million. <laughs> Yeah. Lizzie and her older sister, Emma, had a fairly religious upbringing. And as a young woman, Lizzie was very involved in church activities. She taught Sunday school to the children of recent immigrants. She was part of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Boo. Fucking yeah. uh, <laughs> fun suckers. Am I right? Friends with Carrie A. Nation. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and she was also part of the Ladies Fruit and Flower Mission. Couldn't find out what that is, but I was like, I could also join that group. That sounds delightful. It sounds lovely, right? <laughs> like we're making fruit baskets and bouquets? Sign me up. That sounds lovely. hmm It's the only lovely thing in her life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so when Lizzie was six years old, her father married a woman named Abby Gray. The sisters despised their stepmother, believing that she had married their father for his money And reportedly, the girls would only refer to Abby as Mrs. Borden. (laughs) That's salty. (laughs) Yeah, that's real salty. (laughs) They're just little kids. I was doing the math. Abby and her father were only a couple of years apart in age. Mm -hmm. So I was like, they were probably just two people about the same age who are getting in a relationship. Yeah. And six year old Lizzie and I think 10 year old Emma were like, mm, Mrs. Borden for their entire lives. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Never let it go. No, they sure didn't. So as Lizzie became an adult, tensions began to grow, especially in regards to money. After Abby's sister, so their stepmother's sister, received a house as a gift. Okay. Cash, you know. <laughs> Lizzie and Emma demanded and received a rental property, which they purchased from their father for $1. Okay. Taxes or, yeah. you know, that bullshit. Yeah. But a few weeks before the murders, they sold the property back to their father for $5,000. Huh. Weird. I don't know what's going on there, but it seems hanky. Here's a scenario. Okay. They didn't want to take care of it anymore. Yeah. And they still wanted money. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, Dad, we got a bargain for you. Yep. You know this land you sold us for a dollar? $5,000. And $5,000 in today money is 144000 Whoa. So, I mean, they're turning a profit on that bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> for <I> sure. Would, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay. So, for several days... Before the murders, this was another weird thing, the entire household had been violently ill, which is very suspect. Hmm. While it was probably food poisoning from lamb that had not been handled properly, Mm -hmm. because they don't have indoor plumbing. Mm -hmm. Or refrigeration. Or refrigeration (laughs) of any substantial kind. Mm -hmm. So bad mutton, that's not good for anybody. (laughs) Abby feared that someone had snuck into the house and mm-hmm. tried to poison everybody and kill them. Mm-hmm. Because, well, Andrew was not a beloved man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so it's just weird. It's not out of the question it's, that somebody wished yeah. harm on them. Yes. Exactly. All right. Now we get to the good stuff, <laughs> and by good I mean really bad. <laughs> So the morning of August 4th, 1892, started like most mornings in the Borden house. Lizzie's uncle, John Morse, who is her mom's brother, okay, had come over the night before and spent the night, and everyone met in the dining room for breakfast that morning. Uncle John leaves, and then shortly after that, her father left the house to go for a walk. It was around 9 a.m., after washing the dishes and cleaning up the breakfast mess, Bridget, who was the family's 25 year old Irish maid, did you just make a body noise? I made a body noise. Because <laughs> I just, I was like, I heard a. Rrr. My body's been making a lot of noises <laughs> lately. And that's saying something because I make a lot of body noises. All the time. All the time. <laughs> So I apologize. That's okay. I just heard it and then I looked at Danny and she was trying to stifle a laugh and then I looked up at you and I was like that that came from within her. Yeah. <laughs> do, do other people get <laughs> Yeah, all the time. Okay. I feel like it comes from the weirdest places in me mm-hmm. that I'm just like that was in my knee. How did it get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. It's okay. All right. Where was I? Okay. So, Bridget, Mm -hmm. the family's 25-year-old Irish maid, had worked with the family for a couple years at this point. She cleans up breakfast, and then Abby told her to go wash the windows. It's August. It's going to be a hot fucking day. So, Abby, it was rude Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be like, I want you to wash the windows inside and out. Yeah. So Bridget was like, All right, well it's not a hundred goddamn degrees out yet. I guess I'll go do outside and then come in and do these ones. So she goes to work doing that. Meanwhile, Abby went upstairs to make the beds and like tidy up the guest room sometime between nine and ten. And during that time is when she was murdered. So when it happened, Abby was facing her killer. When she was attacked. The first blow from the hatchet hit the right side of her head, causing her to spin around and fall face down on the floor. Mm -hmm. The killer then delivered 17 more blows directly to the back of her head. Jeez. Which seems like overkill. Yeah. Like, one probably did the fucking job. Mm -hmm. There's a lot lot of emotion going into the rest of those 17. Yeah. Almost like... If somebody was really bitter at the age of six <laughs> about <laughs> their father marrying. Weird, right? And then just ha- hung on to that resentment mm-hmm. for many, many And just years. let it build and, yeah. and grow within her. Mm-hmm. That feels like that kind of anger. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> so that happened somewhere, again, between nine and ten. Mm-hmm. When Lizzie's father returned to the house after going to the bank and, you know checking up on his business. Because he's a CEO of the bank, basically. He doesn't have to go there. (laughs) He's not working. Because that's what CEOs do. He's not a teller. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So he returned to the house around 1030. However, for whatever reason, his key didn't work in the front lock. And he's fighting with it and gives up, knocks on the door. Bridget hears it, comes to unlock the door. She also, for whatever reason... I don't know. The wood's swollen because it's hot. I don't know. But she also was having trouble with the door and, quote, uttered an expletive of a variety. I imagine she went, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So that happened. And Bridget, recalling to the police later, said she couldn't see Lizzie, but she heard her giggle from the top of the stairs. Mm. Mm -hmm. So... Lizzie suddenly appears after her father gets led in the house Mm -hmm. and helped her father out of his boots and into his house slippers, and then he laid down on the sofa in the sitting room. Because the whole fucking household was pretty violently ill. Yeah. (laughs) Bridget was like, I feel like garbage. Yeah. So she goes upstairs via the back stairs Mm -hmm. to her attic room. Yeah. Okay. Because... Because she's a servant there. She's a servant, yes. Yeah, so she she's... can't use the people stairs. No, exactly. <laughs> she has to use the servant stairs. Exactly. <laughs> so she goes upstairs and lays down. After nearly half an hour, Bridget hears Lizzie scream from downstairs, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Someone came in and killed him. There they find Andrew, uh, slumped on a couch in the sitting room, struck 11 times... In the face and head. Jeez. Yeah. Hmm. Fun fact, one of his eyeballs had been split cleanly in two. Well, that's gross. <laughs> Thank you. Super <laughs> gross. <laughs> I told Danny that the other day and I was like, you know, like a grape. And then I was like, no, not like a grape at all. It's like a deflated grape. Stop. Sorry. Stop <laughs> comparing it to food. <laughs> I want to eat grapes. <laughs> I have Two kinds in the fridge right now. Well, I'm not going to eat them right now. That's Because I'm going to look at them and they're going to look back at me (laughs) and blink, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oof. So, this had literally just happened Mm -hmm. because her father was still actively bleeding out Mm -hmm. when Bridget entered the room. Okay. So, literally, like... It happened, Oh, my gosh, hes somebody came in and did this. yeah, while well, he's it's still oof, yeah, oof. So chaos ensues, right? Lizzie sends Bridget not across the street to the doctor, but diagonally across the street up a couple houses to a different doctor. Not sure why. Hmm. There's a ruckus. The neighbor comes over. The police are called by a man who sees this all happening, runs down to the drugstore at the corner of the street Mm -hmm. to call the police. The police come. A doctor is summoned. He finally gets there. Not that he's going to do a whole (laughs) lot. Because we're kind of past the point where he's going to be helpful. The next door neighbor, who had seen all this chaos, comes over. Her name is Mrs. Churchill. Because apparently she doesn't have a first name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Women don't need first names. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So she comes over to see what the commotion's all about. Lizzie... Lizzie then asks Mrs. Churchill Mm -hmm. and another neighbor, who... Unnamed. Who moseyed over to see Mm -hmm. what's going on. Probably another woman. Yep. It was another woman. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) To go upstairs to try and find Mrs. Borden. So the two women had made it halfway up the stairs just enough so they could see over the landing and into the guest room mm-hmm. and see Abby there splayed out on the floor. Uh-uh. No. Oh, no. Ooh. That's so. It's, first of all, that is terrible. Yeah. And second of all, how very convenient mm-hmm. that Lizzie's like, oh, I don't know where my stepmother is. Maybe you should go to find her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe check upstairs in the guest room. Exactly. Just a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah. So during the investigation, there were many strange anomalies. Uh, here's just a few. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are some good ones. So... Lizzie had told this whole story of like, oh, father, how was your walk? Let me take your boots off and help you into your slippers. Well, he was still wearing his boots when he was on the couch. Oh, interesting. Mm. She also stated that a messenger had come to summon Abby Mm -hmm. to a sick friend's house. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, oh, I had no idea she was upstairs. Uh oh. I I thought she was gone. Okay. I casual. But why if she thought she was gone, why would she send her neighbors in the house to That's look a for good Abby? question. It's a very good question. I'm on Kiana's on the case. On the case. <laughs> <laughs> the the police also also thought she was too calm and poised mm-hmm. and had a bad attitude <laughs> <laughs> which we all grieve differently. Uh-huh. But yeah. I think they were like, Aren't you a little shaken that this happened? While you were clearly in the house? Yeah. You Where'd... discovered the body. Yeah. Huh. Also no one checked for blood stains <laughs> and the the morning after Lizzie was seen in the kitchen tearing up a dress to put into the fire because it had quote paint on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is... This is a kicker. So, in the basement, Mm -hmm. during the investigation, the police found two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head, but no handle. And the hatchet head was covered in ash and, like, dust, but, like, really... Like, someone, like, grabbed a handful of ash and dust and smeared it all over the blade... Uh-huh. To make it look like it had been there for a long time, but they were like Th- this is a little too <laughs> obvious that it's just covered covered so much in this. Yeah. And also, where is the handle? Yeah. Oh, it's probably burning in the furnace because it's wood. Yeah. And it's covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's an inquest. And after some serious contradictions in her testimony, Mm -hmm. uh, she was arrested and indicted for the murders of her father and stepmother. Apparently, this is a weird sentence to read. Apparently, both of the victims' heads had been removed during autopsy and were presented as evidence during the trial. I'm telling you, those morgue (laughs) doctors back in the day, (laughs) they... Something. They did some (laughs) kooky shit. They did some stuff that... uh, I think was more for enjoyment, right? And was for science. They, I, they probably literally were like, "We're gonna present these to her mm-hmm. in front of a jury," and then she passed out. <laughs> well, It's like that makes fucking sense to me. Yeah. If you showed me a person's head, it wouldn't even have to be my mom and no, stepmom. No, it would just have just to be two a people's head. head. Yeah, and one apparently sliced eyeball. Yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah. So she just completely passed out. Yeah. So long story short, because of a severe lack of actual investigating, Lizzie Borden was acquitted. Mm -hmm. And upon leaving the courthouse, she claimed that she was, quote, the happiest woman in the world. (laughs) I wonder why. So let's have a thought on this. Mm -hmm. How is it that these two people Mm -hmm. were killed at home? In broad daylight, on a busy street, with no motive, no neighbors heard anything, Mm -hmm. and no one saw a suspect enter or leave the Borden house. Mm -hmm. And the only person who could have done it was acquitted in an hour and a half. (laughs) Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh. They wanted to wrap this shit up before lunch. Mm-hmm. So they took an hour and a half and were like, oh, damn. not guilty. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It probably also was um, some men in the jury box in oh. 1892. Oh, absolutely. Who were also like, a woman could never hold <laughs> That's exactly an it. It's really? <laughs> Money and prejudice go okay. very far. <laughs> so clearly... This wealthy, white, God-fearing woman couldn't have possibly done it. Mm -hmm. It must have been one of those immigrants. Ah! (laughs) I went away from the mic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yep. Exactly. It's not great. Yeah. So there was speculation after the murders that maybe Bridget Mm -hmm. had killed the Bordens. Or that Bridget and Lizzie Mm -hmm. had been caught having a uh, a sexy time encounter. And, well, that wouldn't have gone over well. (laughs) So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. After the trial, Lizzie and her sister Emma moved into a large modern house in the same neighborhood. Oh. (laughs) They just wanted indoor plumbing. Exactly. (laughs) They were like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to live the... Mur- people got murdered there. That's fair. Also. <laughs> <I> murdered someone. <laughs> I murdered someone. I don't want to live there anymore. So, uh, yeah, we're we're just going to go up the block a little. Mm-hmm. That place has a flushing toilet. <laughs> and running water. Who'd have thunk? So, because Abby was ruled to have died before Andrew, mm-hmm. her estate mm-hmm. went to Andrew. Yeah. And then at his death, everything passed to his daughters as Mm -hmm. part of his estate, which is real shitty. (laughs) Yeah, jeez. So even though a large settlement was paid out to Abby's family, the sisters inherited a Mm -hmm. very comfortable amount of money. Yeah. Lizzie Borden was never married, never had children. She died from pneumonia on June first, nineteen twenty-seven. The details of her funeral were never printed, and she was buried next to her sister, who died nine days later. Oh. hmm At the time of her death, Lizzie was worth over $250,000. In today money, that's almost $5 million. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. However, in her death, she was fairly altruistic <laughs> because <laughs> she left a ton of money to, like, friends and other family members and charities. Mm -hmm. So spread the wealth. She's spreading the wealth after she kicked it. But yeah. So the Borden house where Mm -hmm. this happened is now a museum and a bed and breakfast (laughs) Uh, where you can stay in the, I looked it up. You can stay in the Emma and Lizzie room for $300 a night, Mm -hmm. $75 extra per person. Okay. And the house is decorated with original hardware and furnishings, complete with the hatchet head, Andrew's boots, and other memorabilia. I don't like (laughs) that. I don't die there. There's also ghost tours. Okay, I'm into a ghost tour. I'm into a ghost tour tour. Also, Mm-hmm. tour two <laughs> and they like they send you out complete with like an EVP mm-hmm. and like other cool ghost hunting oh, tools I, I haven't done that, that I haven't either like fun yes okay I don't want to sleep there <laughs> no I'm that's not, a little much for me <laughs> I'm not not sleeping there at all but I definitely want to go on a ghost tour mm-hmm <laughs> So Lizzie Borden has been the subject of many books, podcasts, TV shows, movies, and musicals. (laughs) Notably, a movie called Lizzie Mm -hmm. that Danny and I have watched stars Chloe Sevigny as Lizzie Mm -hmm. and Broody, Broody Kristen Stewart as Bridget. And their lesbian tryst is what leads to the murders. You know, I heard of that movie Oof, it's good. when it was in production and uh-huh. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna watch it. Oh girl. And then I forgot about it until just this until moment. Until just this moment? <laughs> yes. Girl. <laughs> add it to your list. It's, and it's Halloween's coming it up. It is. It is. It's very good. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. That sounds good. So you know, there's all this controversy of like, why are we making her a lesbian or whatever? And it's like mm. it's a fifty fifty shot that she was or she wasn't. Yeah. So I mean, also, there's just as likely also back in the early 1900s yeah women who didn't marry yeah it's probably cuz they... she's a spinster for a reason yeah
1: <laughs> and it's
0: because she likes the ladies <laughs> it's not like she wasn't a sought after bachelorette yeah with yeah. money Absol- absolutely <laughs> you would assume mhm so this was just a fun fact lizzie borden's meatloaf recipe was found 15 years ago what? Yeah. <laughs> there was a woman who was friends with Lizzie and Emma mm-hmm. and has a handwritten recipe uh-huh. for Lizzie Borden's meatloaf. And when she died, her grandson donated a bunch of stuff to like the museum in Fall in mm-hmm. Fall River and you know and stuff. So anyway, they found the Lizzie's meatloaf recipe. And I will tell you, it is one pound of steak, half a pound of pork steak, one egg, one small onion, three soda crackers, herbs, salt and pepper, grease tin, cover loaf well with hot water and bake for about one hour. <laughs> also, if you would like to make this, let me be perfectly clear. Three soda crackers are essentially saltines, mm-hmm. but... They used to not come in perfect little squares. They used to come in like a big sheet, like matzah. Oh, so you could use matzah, or you could just use like a sleeve mm-hmm. of saltines. More than three saltines. More than crackers. three <laughs> Exactly. That's not gonna bind <laughs> shit. I'm glad you said that because in my brain I was like, okay, three crackers. That's it. <laughs> just a just a little bit of cracker meal. Just she likes her meat. Yeah, she doesn't need the binder. <laughs> Yeah, but if you don't put all the crackers in, then you just have a meat pile as opposed to a meat loaf. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very important. Yeah. So my sources that I used this week were biography.com, the heraldnews.com, mm-hmm. the Lizzie Bordenhouse website, just snooping around there, mm-hmm. an article from smithsonianmagazine.com. Called why nineteenth century axe murderer Lizzie Borden was found not guilty, by Joseph Conforti, and another article from RollingStone.com called Lizzie Borden: Why a nineteenth century axe murderer still fascinates us, by Elizabeth Yuko. That was very good. Thank I, you. I feel like I learned. Lizzie Borden's story is one that you hear, like I, it just s- comes over up and often. over and over again. Yeah, and I always. Learned something. And I'm also always surprised. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many different, specifically podcasts. Also, I've listened to a book about it mm-hmm. that like, I still found information that I was like, I did not know that before. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was good. Thank you very much. <laughs> Who are you doing Today? Today? I'm going to talk to you about a woman named Carol Orzell. Okay. Tell me all about her. Okay. Carol Ann Orzel was born on April 20th, 1959 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So that makes her an Aries. Sure does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aries power. That's right. As a child, she was diagnosed with a very rare condition called fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva or FOP, which is what I will be saying from here on out. Because you okay. cannot ask me to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> and um, fix the bones, yeah? hmm we'll, we'll get back to that okay in a second. I'll okay. explain it. There's not much that I could find about her childhood, which is what I would usually talk about right now. So you'll get to know her another way. Hmm. You get to hear about how I heard of her. Oh, yes. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so it all began when I was sitting around twiddling away as my, on my phone. As we all do. As we do. Mm-hmm. I was bored with my Instagram feed and I went to YouTube and started watching dumb videos, as we all do. Okay. And then I had this video recommended to me mm-hmm. and it was titled, Her Name Was Carol Orzel, which is grabbing. That is grabbing. And then in further in looking at it, mm-hmm. the video thumbnail describes her as the woman with two skeletons. And I was intrigued. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then I saw it was posted by the Mutter Museum, which is the, the Mutter Museum, which is a medical museum in Philly. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And also very respectful to the, the specimens mm-hmm. that they have in the building. Yes. That's just something I like to point out. And so I thought, dope, trusted source. This is perfect. Oh, I'm right? excited. Everything's getting together. And the video opens with her doctor, Dr. Frederick Kaplan, describing Carol and saying, quote, her name was carol Orzel, but for those who knew her and loved her she was the one and only carol like picasso madonna and joan of arc to name a few one name carol suffices in defining this unique and unforgettable woman carol's legendary spirit soared far and wide i miss her her smile her verve her determination and her wit oh yeah great. oh i love carol yeah carol's great <laughs> As an advocate and one of the 300 individuals in the U.S. with FOP, Mm -hmm. she spent a lot of time with her doctor. And so a lot of this, a lot of her story is through his perspective. So Dr. Kaplan got to know Carol due to Carol's FOP, Mm -hmm. which, as I mentioned earlier, she was diagnosed with in her childhood. And it is a bone thing. Okay. At birth, the only visible sign of FOP is what looks like a bunion on the big toe. And it is, in fact, a malformation of the joint. Okay. So, between the ages of two and five, painful swelling starts and tumors begin to emerge on the neck and back. Oh. And then they transform into bone. (gasps) Oh. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. And this progresses throughout a person's lifetime. Yeah. So, they just... What's happening is the condition causes bone to start forming where bone is not supposed to be yeah because something in the dna sends a message to the cell Uh that previously was like i'm a muscle cell Uh i'm soft tissue and then all of a sudden that cell now just speaks bone oh god so where soft tissue once was Uh bone is okay and so over time Uh you get almost a second skeleton oh my god which is why she is described as the woman with two skeletons i'm shook. Yeah, right? Okay. It's super rare. When I it was described as rare uh-huh. and I was like, okay, rare still affects quite a few people. Sure. I think like the actual I could have this number wrong, but the like medical description of rare is uh, under 100,000 people need to have it. Uh-huh. And there's 300 people in the US, 900 worldwide. Wow. So very that's like 1% of the rare yeah less than one percent of the rare yeah oh holy shit yeah okay and it's not typically passed down okay it's something that happens during when the fetus is becoming a person Uh uh-huh there's just something that spontaneously gets switched Uh and that's that's all they know about it wow yeah wow okay as the disease progresses, it affects the upper limbs and then the lower limbs in adolescence. And eventually in adulthood, it affects the jaw, elbows, knees and wrists. And it makes movement extremely limited over time because you're just literally being locked in place. Mm-hmm. In 1982, at the age of 23, Carol's FOP progressed to the point where she just needed some assistance. Mm -hmm. So she moved to the Ingalls House in Philadelphia, which is a specialty long-term care community for people with physical disabilities. And she continued to live there all of her life. Oh, wow. Yeah. In 1985, when she was about 26, Carol met Dr. Frederick Kaplan for the first time whose first impressions of her were, quote, she was unforgettable, witting, charming, and in charge. Her spirit and joy were overwhelming. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Everyone who described Carol in my research said that not only was she just, like, an engaging, fun gal, Mm -hmm. she was also the most fashionable person in the room. Ah! (laughs) Which I can say, yes, she is very stylish because I saw her pictures. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) My favorite look, she had, like, red high-waisted pants, Uh a... Purple long sleeve off the shoulder crop top Ooh. that had little black polka ah. dots on it, and then like a long purpley pink ascot. Oh. My God, amazing, gorge. <laughs> yes, gorge. Uh. She also always had a full face of makeup on, mm-hmm. which she applied using tools that she built herself to accommodate her needs. <gasps> so with her like wrist was uh-huh. locked in place, uh-huh. and there was a video of her putting on her makeup. Uh-huh. It's essentially just a really long stick uh-huh. with the makeup brush or pencil or whatever at the end of it, oh and then she gosh. was just all doing it herself from like down by her belly button. Uh-huh. Great! Oh my god, she was also an avid costume jewelry collector. <laughs> a girl after af- yeah, I love her. <laughs> girl after your own heart. I don't know how much I love costume I, jewelry? I'm looking at a bunch literally. of literally. <laughs> So her collection was more than 100 pieces, including tiaras, earrings, and brooches. Yes. (laughs) Love a good brooch. Um, A person from the Ingalls House said that Carol lived her life fast and furious. She would often go around the city, visiting the art museums, shopping for clothes, drinking wine with friends, and spending the night out on the town. Amazing. Mm -hmm. In 1988, after three years of treating Carol, her doctor met up with some other doctors and were like hey, let's combine our brain strength Mm -hmm. and really get to the bottom of this FOP business. Yes, let's. Bada bing, bada boom. Long story short, Dr. Frederick Kaplan and Dr. Eileen Shore established the Shore Kaplan Laboratory at the University of Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah. And they are the co-directors of the only center in the world devoted to the study of FOP. Wow. Yeah. During the period of time it took to establish the lab, they said their biggest cheerleader was Carol, who often advocated for medical research into FOP for the community and at the lab opening which also happened to be her 33rd birthday okay yeah Carol cut the ribbon at the ceremony that officially declared it open Dr. Shore said that Carol visited the lab every year on her birthday and often joked that the lab was just a birthday present for her (laughs) she's like this is my lab please and thank you isn't it beautiful yeah In her life, she advocated for more research, established networks of communications with others with FOP, mm-hmm. and educated both the public and medical professionals about the disease. Quote Carol was an advocate of medical education and played a seminal role in educating nearly three generations of medical students at the University of Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh, often meeting them, lecturing to them during their genetics course, sharing her story on the very first day of medical school, and earning standing ovations from more than over 150 students in each class year after year. Amazing. Mm-hmm. In 1995, Carol was attending an international FOP association conference at the Mütter Museum, which is an organization she was pretty heavily involved with. The IFOPA was founded by another woman who had FOP, who never met anybody else with the disease. I mean, yeah, the 900 people in the world have it. And she wanted a place for FOP families to come get education and support. And so that's what they would do. Like Carol was a part of the organization Uh and they would. That's so incredible. Yeah. Doctors would be there, like doctors who hadn't studied FOP before, who were now just trying to get into Mm -hmm. it. It was... What an amazing resource to have. Yeah. Yeah. Made available. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. And it was at this party Mm -hmm. that Carol met Harry. Carol and Harry. Let me tell you about Harry. Okay. (laughs) Harry Eastlack is considered the most recognized FOP case in the world. And that is because before Harry died, he requested that his body be used to help understand more about the disease. Mm -hmm. So he donated his body to science. His skeleton, Mm -hmm. which Carol was looking at at the party, Mm -hmm. she just was so enamored by it. Mm -hmm. And looked over at Dr. Kaplan, who was at the party, Mm -hmm. and said, One day, I want to hang next to Harry, as long as I get to wear my jewelry. Oh my (laughs) gosh! (laughs) Amazing. <laughs> Amazing! So this happens. Mm-hmm. Her life continues. She's still doing her outreach mm-hmm. and speaking at the University of Pennsylvania. And up until February 2018, when she passed away at the age of 58. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Her last wish was that her body was donated to the Mütter Museum, where it would be used to teach the public about the rare condition that she and Harry had. Mm-hmm. So, she passed away. It's approved. The museum began to work very quickly to preserve her skeleton. Uh Uh-huh. Quote, Carol is fully fused so her body couldn't be disarticulated first and rendered into a skeleton and then re-articulated. She is one unit. Not only that, she also had osteoporosis, Uh which made some parts of her bones nearly translucent. (gasps) Quote, I can't articulate how delicate her bone is. It was almost like taking cotton candy and hairspray. (gasps) Side note, that quote kept coming up. I don't exactly know what that means. Cotton candy and hairspray. So, you know, when you eat cotton candy Mm -hmm. and if you're eating it and like it like disintegrates, it starts to disintegrate and kind of gets spider webby Mm -hmm. and it just gets like big gaps Mm -hmm. and stuff in it. So it would essentially be like that, but less dense. So just like picture cotton candy, mm-hmm. and then little teeny tiny drops of moisture, so it all starts to, like, mm. separate. So it's okay. still, it's still in, in its original shape, mm-hmm. just with clear points through it. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> no matter the difficulty of the task, they successfully had her bones preserved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now they are on display at the Motor Museum as she wished. With about 180,000 visitors to the museum each year, it's likely that she is going to be able to impact a much broader and much greater number of people and continue her life's work forever. Oh my gosh. I love Carol so much. You need to look at pictures of Carol. I absolutely am going to. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Did you go to the Motor Museum when you went to Philadelphia? Yes, I did. Yeah. What I, year was that? That was in 2019. Okay. So I don't think I saw Carol uh-huh. when she was there uh-huh. because they were still trying to build the display case that uh-huh. she went in. Gotcha. But I love the Mütter Museum. That's it's so, it's so fascinating. It's fascinating. It's super respectful. I like that you cannot take pictures in there. Yeah. I don't think. I think personally, mm-hmm. museums. Mm-hmm often exploit more than they educate. Yes. I I absolutely would agree with that. And that was something at one point I had a real bone to pick with museums. <laughs> Spe- <laughs> Specifically in the way that they were portraying like indigenous people because yep. I was like, listen, you're showing all this stuff like they're dead. Mm-hmm. They're not. <laughs> yeah. This this is still a vibrant active culture and community. Mm-hmm. You're displaying it like like it's a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's it also, you know, separates the time yep. and what it does to people's brains today. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So being in the Mütter Museum, I was like, brilliant, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then hearing how they speak about yeah. the people that go into uh-huh. the museum and also how people engage with it before they're in. It was mm. amazing. Wow. We did not have the opportunity to go to the Mooder Museum because we were only in Philly a day and a half, Mm -hmm. you know, when we went to visit peaches. But I follow them on Instagram and I'm just, I'm so intrigued. And the whole time you were reading the story, Mm -hmm. I was like, I am, my brain is going a hundred miles a minute and making it so, because like you said, it they can, things like this. Specifically, human anomalies Mm -hmm. that affect people's lives are so often exploited and dehumanized dehumanized and Mm -hmm. made to be creepy and scary. And it's like, these are people. Mm -hmm. Let's fucking treat them as such. Mm -hmm. You know? Also, I forgot, I realized just Uh now, forgetting to mention this. Uh Uh-huh. They have her jewelry on display next to her, oh my so she's God. not she's not wearing anything uh-huh. like she wanted because that would be kind of <laughs> that would be kind of impossible. Yeah, but it is you get to read Carol's life story. Yeah, like you get to hear basically what I just said. That's but. so it's so important that it's like yes, these things can be like we don't understand everything mm-hmm. about what the human body can do, mm-hmm. but being. Like Carolyn saying, yeah, this is fucking bananas. <laughs> <laughs> let's study it. Let's learn about it. Let's figure out what this is. Mm-hmm. And then and then to like be able to share her story and yeah. her experiences with people in life and in death. And mm-hmm. i just. blown away and at the lab in 2006 i didn't put this in because it wasn't about carol Mm -hmm. but they found the genetic mutation in the bone that causes it Uh so if we think about like katie carico and the mrna that moment when she found the sequence and now it's just all like Uh okay now what do we do that's where they are at and that's the hardest part do you know how much fucking dna is in somebody's everything yeah so to be able to find that needle in a haystack mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Yeah. And it was in the nine, like two, early 2000s, uh-huh. so like technology isn't where it was today. Absolutely. <laughs> so they were doing they were literally like an assistant was sitting there counting DNA. Oh my sequencing. gosh. Oh, science. I fucking love science. <laughs> <laughs> Believe in science. <laughs> Holy shit. I need to know what your sources were. Oh yes, of course. How could I forget? There was a National Geographic article called "What Happens When Tissue Turns to Bone." Carol Orzel. There was also two videos that I watched that were done by the Mooter Museum. Mm -hmm. One was called "The Disease That Grows Extra Bones" in parentheses. Carol Orzel's birthday video, and then her name was Carol Orzel. The Mm -hmm. video I mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. I also looked at an article called Philly Woman with Rare Bone Disease Donate Skeleton to Mütter Museum by Dana Bate. Excellent. Thank, Thank you, you so much. That was such a great story. Thank you. Oh. I really, I really wanted to tell it because I just thought the I, the way that people talked about Carol, it was just so nice. Like she was just so nice. <laughs> That's how, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but like to have such kind words said about you mm-hmm. when you're gone. Mm-hmm. Is such, it's just so lovely. Mm-hmm. What a thing to aspire to. Like, she just touched so many lives. Yeah. That's just amazing. I love yeah. her. Well, everyone, thank mm-hmm. you so much for listening. Yes. Um, If you liked what you heard, go ahead and follow us on our socials. Mm-hmm. On Facebook and Instagram, we are at that broads got Moxie, And on Twitter, we are at BroadsGotMoxie. Mm-hmm. And wherever you're listening, go ahead and please rate, review, and subscribe. We would love comments, five stars, anything. Yes, please. We would very much appreciate that. And also, like Kiana mentioned at the beginning, if you have comments, suggestions, you just want to reach out and say hey, uh, you can email us at Broadscottmoxie at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's a wrap, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete, produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.